The frolicking posh cart has been prepared for the harm of steering. Please do not adjust your iFrog. Music. Sometime in the early 80s, when I was in my early 40s, my wife told me that she thought I was beginning to get a bit deaf. And although I was vaguely aware that I probably didn't hear quite as well as I used to, I didn't really do anything about it. Partly because, of course, wives um, chatter a lot and it is only fair that husbands should go a little bit deaf in order to protect themselves from this continual assault on their eardrums. But I just let it drift until a particular incident occurred, which meant that I really couldn't ignore my increasing deafness anymore. What happened was that my great friend Maggie Tree, with whom I made over a hundred little films for video arts, and she produced them all. Uh, rang me up one day and said, uh, Prince Charles's favorite charity, Business in the Environment, want us to make a film for them, and it would involve a couple of days of filming for them, and of course we'd be doing it for free because it's all for the charity, etc., etc., etc. And I said, good idea all for the environment and sounds like fun. And then she rang me up a couple of days later and she said, and what is more, she said, Prince Charles has agreed to be in the final scene, so you will actually be acting with him. Well, knowing that Prince Charles had been in the footlights, I thought, well, that'll be fun. And I had met Prince Charles a couple of times and he is, in my experience, an extraordinarily pleasant and friendly and amusing fellow. He sets you at your ease straight away and being with him has always been a pleasure. So I said, of course, I will be very happy to do that. And indeed, on the last day, he showed up, and we shot our little scene, and it really was quite funny. Uh, I was playing a character who had uh, some difficulty in believing that he was actually meeting Prince Charles, so it was sort of like the real thing. But about three or four weeks later, we got a call saying, yes, it's all been edited together and it's a great success and everybody likes it, but we're going to be launching it at one of those big uh, Park Lane hotels, the Dorchester or the Grove or something like that. Would you come along to the, the lunch and be present when it's launched because it will help to get publicity for it. So I said, absolutely fine, I'd love to do that. And when I arrived, I found that I was sitting at the top table and that on my right was Prince Charles, and on his right was Chris Patton, who in those days was Minister for the Environment. And on my left was a delightful young man who was Prince Charles Equerry. And during the course of the lunch, Prince Charles, who was, of course, deeply uh, involved and interested in the environment, spent most of the time talking to Chris Patton. And I had a lovely chat with the Equerry. But towards the end of the lunch, Prince Charles leaned back, obviously, to involve me in the conversation. And um, the four of us started to talk. And what I discovered was, Whenever Prince Charles was talking to me, I could hear exactly what he was saying. But the moment he turned to his right to talk to Chris Patton, um, you know, and I was supposed to be hearing what he was saying, all I could hear was this very, very well-bred upper-class humming. And I couldn't make out a word. And then he looked back at me, and then 
Yes, once he was looking at me, I could hear what he was saying again, and then he'd look at me back at me. I could hear what he was saying. And every now and again, he'd talk Chris in Chris's direction for a bit and then turn back to me, and sort of, obviously, I was supposed to offer an opinion. I had no idea whether he just said that his mother had died or that we should be declaring war on France or whatever. So I, I sort of did this how frightfully interesting, but I can't quite make up my mind what I think about this expression. And I did this for something like 15 minutes towards the end of the dinner, and it was profoundly embarrassing because this was the next king of England and I was supposed to be sane, and yet I was having to behave like someone who was very, very strange indeed. And at the end of it all, I left for lunch and I ran back home and rang up Cromwell Hospital and said, can I come round and have my hearing tested, please? And I went in a couple of days later and they put these earphones on me and they said, well, Mr. Cleese, we're going to uh, play you various uh, tones and uh, if you'll just obey the instructions, we'll be able to check how good your hearing is. And first of all, they said, now, when we play you these, uh, these tones, when you hear the tone, just raise your finger. So there was a long pause and then I raised my finger and they said we hadn't started yet and it went downhill from then on. I remember they uh, played syllables at one point and I was supposed to repeat the syllables so they played one and I said shit? They said no, no, shit. And that was one of the worst problems, apparently, was hearing clearly what the last consonant of a word is. But at the end of this deeply humiliating and misery-producing experience, they bounced into the room before I could even get the headphones off. And as I took the headphones off, I heard them say, good news, Mr. Cleese. They're grinning all over their faces. They said, your hearing is above average for a man of your age. That was the John Cleese Podcast number 16. Recorded on a very dodgy dictaphone and produced for you by Funk, F-U-N-K dot co dot U-K. Thank you and good night. <laughs>